Welcome to the Christian Music Industry Podcast, powered by ChristianMusicMarketing.com. We are here to help Christian musicians, songwriters, and artists connect with one another, learn from one another, and to pull back the curtain to give you a behind-the-scenes look at the Christian music industry. Let's get started. Hey, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. And I am your host, Wisdom Moon, and my co-host, Amanda, is back. Hello. For the third episode in a row. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're really excited to talk again about releasing music as a church because we've gotten an overwhelming response from you guys, which has been really exciting. Uh, this has actually, I think, been uh, the topic that we've gotten the most feedback on or responses from. So, yeah, we're excited to continue uh, this Um this episode and talk about kind of like the next steps from our previous episode. Yes. So as Wisdom mentioned, we are in part three. Um, If you haven't listened to the other two parts, I would highly suggest it. And the first one we talked about just counting the cost of releasing music as a church. And then this last episode, we talked about building your firm foundation. Um, So yeah, excited to talk about what's next. Yeah, so we've gotten actually several questions from uh, some of you that uh, wrote us in through Instagram, Uh, we've heard through our newsletter, and if you're not a part of our newsletter, you can head over to christianmusicmarketing.com and sign up there at the footer of the website. Uh, We also got our, uh, I think our first question through Spotify's Q&A feature, which is really cool. (laughs) I forgot they had that feature. (laughs) And then I got a notification that somebody submitted a question. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So EJ um, submitted a question and he said, good first episode. Thank you so much, EJ. Um, He is interested to hear about the things needed to be put in place for releasing his church's music. All right. So we could actually probably do three episodes (laughs) just on this question because it's a pretty broad question. Uh, But we'll start with maybe um, a part of it. Maybe this is like the first uh, part of two or three parts. I'm not sure yet where we'll go with it or how long. We'll talk about this, but obviously, you know, there's a lot to releasing music and just even as a solo artist, there's a lot. But when you're talking about a church, there's way more (laughs) involved and a lot more moving parts, a lot more people involved in the decision making process, uh, a lot more people speaking into everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, from my experience working with a ton of churches uh, it does often slow things down. So I would say, you know, first of all, just be patient in the process and know that things are going to be delayed. I think if you go into it expecting things to be delayed uh, from what your ideal timeline is, uh, you won't get frustrated as easily. So uh, once you start, you know, cultivating that community of songwriting at your church, or maybe there's, you know, one or two of you that write uh, most of the songs at your church. Now, the next step is how do you decide, you know, what songs to release, when to release, all those things. Uh, so like, 
like we talked about, you really want to make sure your church leadership is on board, your pastor is on board,、mm-hmm. and that there is a clear vision behind why you're doing this. And once you have that, you want to set smart goals that really support the overall vision of releasing music. So, Amanda, do you know what? Smart stands for. No, oh, put me on the spot here. <laughs>、uh, it made me laugh in my head because of the whole acronym from last week: fat and smart.、Oh. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> <Yeah> . um, smart goals are. Oh yes, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, time bound. Yeah, I only know that because of what I have. You have on notes on this. <laughs> you have a cheat sheet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think when you're setting goals, you want to really make sure you check all these boxes. So I'm gonna give you just one example. Obviously, you can have a lot of different variations variations of this, and you can have multiple goals as a church、uh, when it relates to your music. So the example we're gonna go with is、uh, you. We will release six songs in the next twelve months. So that checks the box of being specific because you're talking about six songs, measurable, measurable because at the end of twelve months you can measure how many songs did we actually release,、mm-hmm. and achievable. That would depend on the church, but <laughs> hopefully it is achievable. <laughs> you know, if you're setting that goal,、uh, relevant. You know, this is very relevant because you're trying to release music, and this is about releasing six songs. Uh, and then time bound,、um, so that's、uh, where the twelve months comes in. So this is really helpful in making sure everybody's on the same page with、uh, what you want to accomplish and how you want to go about it. So、uh, let's say that's your goal as a church to write or release six songs in the next twelve months. So my encouragement would be write at least sixty songs. Wow. Yes, sixty. Six zero. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>、uh, because、uh, really, where you're gonna be、uh, most challenged when releasing music is having really quality songs,、uh, like the songwriting aspect.、Mm-hmm. You know, production, marketing, all those things can only.、Uh, really enhance、uh, to. A, To a certain level, so if you don't have a great song, like it doesn't matter how great the producer is, <laughs> it's just you know you, the, a producer can do only so much.、Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen actually really great producers produce you know mediocre songs, and the producer actually ends up sounding like a mediocre producer. Yeah, yeah.、Um, to me, a song, especially、uh, for a church releasing worship songs. You want to make sure the song can stand on its own. Like you can just play it on the guitar or keys,、mm. and it's a solid song. You know, so、uh, I really think it takes sixty、uh, songs to get those six songs out of、um, a batch, and especially when you have multiple people writing songs. You want to make sure that you're getting all the different、uh, people involved and. You know, everybody's coming from a different perspective and like background when they're writing songs. So,、uh, I think 
having 60 songs, you can then start to narrow it down. And uh, one way to do that is to have trust the people, uh, maybe your pastor, maybe some of your of your church leadership, maybe even other worship leaders at other churches that you might be friends with. Um, I would make sure that it's people that will give you honest feedback mm -hmm. because you don't want people to sugarcoat it. You don't want to show it to like your spouse because they're going to be a lot more, you know, uh, encouraging. Honest, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you really want honest feedback from people, uh, both on the melody of the song, the lyrics of the song, the singability of the song. I think singability is a huge one uh, when you're talking about corporate worship and songs that you're writing in hopes that other churches will sing it. So all those things you, you want to uh, make sure, you know, theologically, there's nothing, you know, that stands out to somebody um, that could be potentially, you know, problematic. So once you show maybe, you know, out of the 60, maybe you're showing them like 12 songs, you know, 20 songs, um, you don't need to show other people all 60 songs because <laughs> you should be able to with, you know, two or three people go, okay. Here's 30 of them that just obviously aren't going to work, you know. I can just imagine sitting in like a small group and someone being like, guys, <laughs> let's just take the next three hours to just listen to all 60 songs. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know, that may take a while to get 60 songs, uh, depending on how often you're writing, how many people are writing. And then um, one really helpful filter as you're writing and as you're getting feedback and thinking through song selection is would our church sing it? Mm. So every song that you're writing, uh, that you're considering releasing, you should be asking yourself, would our church sing it? Mm -hmm. I've actually worked with churches. <laughs> like it's just funny to me because uh, I've had churches that will release music and like come to us for, for marketing or I would work with them um, at a label uh, for their marketing. And they would, you know, give us, here's the song, here's the EP or album or whatever. Uh -huh. And I would ask them, so uh, have you like introduced these songs at your church? And I've actually gotten a lot of churches and worship leaders tell me, oh, no, we, we've never done it at our church. <laughs> like, That's a good place to that start. should be a no brainer. Yeah. You know, you you like really need to be <laughs> doing the songs yourself right. before expecting other churches to sing your songs. Mm -hmm. uh, so if your church isn't on board and your church isn't singing the songs, I don't think it's really fair or wise to expect other churches to sing them yeah so that's a big one uh so let's say you you do filter through that and uh you feel like okay yeah here's uh here are some songs that our church will probably really sing so the next step would be to introduce maybe the top six to 12 songs uh in within your church context so that doesn't mean you have to introduce them sunday morning mm-hmm but in some kind of context at church, whether it's small groups or a midweek service or, you know, any kind of um, situation that you have where there's people singing worship songs, uh, maybe, you know, your Sunday morning uh, service isn't the right place for that. But I think it's really great to, I don't love the word test, like mm -hmm. you're testing it on 
people like they're not rats and not rats but <laughs> but for lack of a better word you you want to like test out the songs you know you want to see like are people able to sing the melody are people confused about anything uh, are people engaging you know when they're singing the songs so i would really uh, try to test out at least the six that you're really wanting to record and hopefully you have the opportunity to test out more of them. So once you narrow it down to six, you want to decide, are we going to record this live or in the studio? So Amanda, do you know what the difference is between the two? <laughs> one is live. <laughs> one is in a studio. <laughs> Whoa, that, man. <laughs> That's some profound. good insight. I know, yeah, I know you guys are taking that home and being like, wow, she answered that question so well. <laughs> so live usually means that you are recording with a group, like a congregation or an audience. And typically for a church, you're doing it in your ch church auditorium or one of the rooms at your church. Uh, but you are intentionally involving other people to be there to sing along. Um, and what's kind of funny is, uh, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of like producer friends that do live albums and they will tell you that live albums are not actually live. <laughs> Mm. Uh, most of it is overdubbed, you know, and most of it goes through a, a lot of like production process, editing mm -hmm. and tweaking things, fixing things. So the purpose of doing it live, uh, even though, you know, it can actually end up being more work is that you get to capture the room and mm -hmm. like the energy of the room. So <clears throat> if you... Not to pick on like Baptists, but if you are <laughs> part of like a very quiet, you know, uh, not very expressive Baptist church, doing a live album may not go over well yeah. <laughs> uh, because you may not get that energy from the room. You may so. feel very discouraged yeah. after leaving that room. <laughs> yeah. You may have to add in some clapping sounds, <laughs> some stock sounds, you know. <laughs> Uh, so that's where you have to determine, like, does it make sense for us to do this live mm -hmm. or in the studio? Uh, so that's something that you will need to decide as a church. But, uh, personally, I do feel like with worship songs, uh, a live recording, uh, typically will get a little bit more like attention and, uh, people like worship leaders will gravitate to those more, uh, like listening to them and introducing them at their church because they can envision yeah. the song in a live setting. So that's something that I've noticed because uh, I've marketed a lot of live albums and songs and also studio albums that are worship songs. And uh, there's something about releasing a live version mm -hmm. versus just the studio version. So... Uh, so once you decide that, you want to research and find the right producer. And uh, it's easy if you've done any kind of music and you have like producer friends or if you have people in your church that produce some um, to automatically by default go to those people. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really important to find the right producer for that specific project. And some producers are great at capturing live moments and recording live and producing a live project. Some producers 
are more studio producers. So that's why it's important to narrow that down and also like widen your like network of producers and not feel like you have to always default to like your go-to person. Sometimes it actually helps to go outside of your network and find somebody fresh and new. Um, so and, this is like a, a personal question, just for like my okay. knowledge. What does a producer just want business? Like, will they be honest with like, yeah, this is, mm. I'm better at doing this. Or like, they'll just tell you what you want to hear kind of thing. Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> it depends on the producer. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, the really successful on-demand uh, or in-demand producers, they are going to be really brutally honest and turn down a lot of work because they can't even say yes to everything that's coming at them. Yeah. So they're very selective and they'll tell you right up front, hey, I can't do that project or hey, I'm not the right person for that, but here's another producer you can talk mm -hmm. to. I think the inexperienced ones, the ones that are like, quote unquote, starving musicians, <laughs> starving producers, uh, they will probably do more of a sales pitch and try to sell you on why that you should work with them. Hmm. So that I think is a really good thing to consider um, because yeah, you don't want to just work with a producer that is willing to work with you. Yeah. <laughs> so. There you go. An extra little tip in this. Yeah. And, you know, if you really want to work with a producer that, like, you feel like it's going to kill it, mm -hmm. and they tell you, hey, I can't, I'm, like, completely booked out for the next six months, it might be worth waiting for them. Mm. And then in the meantime, maybe do some other content yeah. around that. So, yeah. Uh, so, once you uh, have that commitment from a producer and know what the timeline is, uh, you want to make sure you batch record as much as you can meaning like you don't want to go in the studio uh or like pay for just one song because typically if you record six songs uh and commit to doing six songs with a producer you're going to get a better deal than if you just say hey let's do one song together yeah so it will help you on the budgeting side and then also just on the time commitment side, you know, like the producers committed to, you know, doing all six versus just one. Mm -hmm. um, and then also uh, they can really like book you in for multiple songs and make sure that um, you're not doing like you don't record one, release it. And then you find out, oh, the producer's out of the country for the next two months which has happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, you want to make sure as much as you can, you batch record. I think that's why even if you release one song at a time, uh, you want to know what those songs are and record them together. And then you can release it however you want yeah. later. So is batch recording like a minimum of six or is it like, no, like not necessarily three and six. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You can do less than six. You could do two, three, <laughs> yeah. Just more than one. <laughs> yeah, more than one typically it will work in your favor. Yeah. So, um, and then I would say, you know, while you're in the process of going to the studio, recording, you know, recording the different parts or in the process of recording and prepping for the live recording, you want to start thinking about branding and marketing. So if you've never released anything as a church, then that's where branding is really important because you need to decide like what's our name going to be. Mm -hmm. 
and do research to make sure it's not already taken. Yes, <laughs> that could be a huge headache. Uh, and that's happened too that I've seen um, where you your team doesn't really do research. You pick a name, you're like, oh, this nobody's probably used this name. And you start releasing music and there's like five other artists with the same name. Yes. Or like your name is so complex that oh, like you yeah. will never get searched. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Simple, but yeah, not used before. <laughs> yeah. So I think that is really an important consideration. Like can people easily remember your name and be able to type it in? Yes. Uh, I actually was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about this like company and I could not figure out how to spell that company's name. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like even looking in the show notes and they didn't link it or list it anywhere. And so, yeah, I think that is really important, uh, especially considering the fact that there are so many churches right now releasing music. So, yeah, you want to make sure um, you don't have potential problems or issues in the future uh i've worked with a lot of groups and churches where they released a bunch of stuff and then they had to change their name later because Mm -hmm. they found out that there was another group that had already been releasing music before them and so they kind of had the right to the name and it became too confusing and then yeah it's a whole thing (laughs) it's it's a headache (laughs) so um yeah, one example, if you guys are familiar with All Sons and Daughters, I worked with them at Integrity Music, and their originally, original name, if you remember, was Sons and Daughters, I believe it was, just, you know, Sons and Daughters, um, or I could be wrong, because it was so long ago, <laughs> I'm trying to remember, <laughs> but then, yeah, there was another band with that same name uh-huh. in scotland or something <laughs> and then so they had to change their name to all sons and daughters wow so. well at least it was like a fairly easy like just add yeah, add <laughs> all before. yeah. <laughs> hey friends amanda here and really quick i wanted to invite you to join us for a special live webinar this thursday january 26th at 2 p.m to 3 p.m central time it's a one-hour session Um, Wisdom will be joined by our senior marketing director, Kat Robertson, as they show you how to set up three powerful Instagram ads to promote your music and invite people into your community. To register or to learn more, head over to christianmusicmarketing.com slash blog. Yeah. Yeah. So branding is really important. Obviously, marketing is really important. uh, But I think those things we really need to dive into in a dedicated episode. So. We'll plan on doing that next week and give you some helpful tips and ideas and things like that. Cool. So going back to the smart goal thing, which was at the very beginning of this, but I was just thinking about it, how the goal that you gave an example of was broad enough that it's achievable, but how do you not make it? I guess my question is, how do you make your smart goal like both? detailed and broad Mm, yeah if that makes sense yeah i think you have to think about the context of your church and i mean i think budget comes into play big time because if you don't have the budget to pay for six songs yeah then you probably need to so i i guess like 
you have to do some research on that mm-hmm. front first. And um, usually churches are I feel like good about telling the worship leader, here's your budget for the next year, yeah. you know, uh, before the end of the year. So you can kind of determine, you know, what you have the budget for. Um, but I think being able to be, uh, I don't like the word realistic, but like, obviously you don't want to say, hey, we're going to release 36 songs next year <laughs> if yeah. you've like never released music, because that's a huge commitment, time commitment, budget commitment, you know. Personal. Also on the marketing side, we would never, ever suggest that. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. yeah so... Does that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. Um, okay, moving on to another question that we got or uh, a message that we received from Jake. He said, hey there, just listen to your podcast on Spotify. The one titled, titled Releasing Music as a Church, Count the Cost. Thank you so much. It was excellent. We have a church and we are small. Uh, the church has released music over the past several years. I have been distributing songwriter royalties faithfully but I am now concerned that our songwriters have not been getting all the royalties they should be getting. I need help. Well, sounds like we opened the can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yes, you do need help. <laughs> In the kindest way possible, yes. Here we are. <laughs> I think um, uh, bro, um, this is just a random number. I would think probably 99% of churches releasing music are in your situation yep. and they need help. Yes. Uh, there's. There are very few people uh, in just the Christian the Christian community um, that understand publishing and royalties and how the industry works. And most of those people work at labels. <laughs> and most of the labels are in Nashville. So yeah. if you're not a church in Nashville, you may not have access to those people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, uh, I have some friends that are now like working at churches and stuff. Um, they're typically, you know, like mega churches that can hire like a dedicated publishing kind of person, um, or a creative director type person that handles all of this. But, uh, for the most part, yeah, most churches just don't have those relationships or access to those people. So, uh, here are some maybe you know, resources that you can uh, research and check out. We're not endorsing any of them, except for maybe one of them. We'll tell you which one. (laughs) (laughs) But um, we're not really endorsing them. They're not sponsoring this uh, podcast. This is basically stuff you can just Google and find. Uh, So you want to really like dive into what they offer and what their agreement is and see if it's a good fit for you. Uh, so uh, basically what you need is a publishing administrator. So the administrator's job is to handle all of your like admin work, hence the word administrator. <laughs> Sounds like something I would say. <laughs> That's my yeah. answer. <laughs> so they handle all your royalty payout- payouts. So they're also collecting all your publishing royalties and then paying them out. So publishing, for example, uh, includes CCLI. So if somebody is, uh, you know, let's say you have a dozen churches singing your songs and you're registered with CCLI, then uh, this administrator would be responsible for collecting that. And then there's, you know, 
a thousand other ways that you collect publishing royalties and places that you will collect them. Um, and then obviously uh, once they collect it, they would uh, do the accounting to know, okay, who needs to uh, receive payment for this song? How much do they receive? And then how do we pay them? You know, is it a check? Is it a direct deposit or whatever? You know, do they have um, a business entity we need to pay or is it an individual? Um, there was, I was actually just telling my worship team this, um, like the team that was scheduled for this Sunday during rehearsal, because we were talking about one of, one of the songs, like who the songwriter was. Mm-hmm. I won't say which song uh, I was talking about, but <laughs> there was a really, really huge song a few years ago. Uh, it was like the worship song at the time. And there were three songwriters. And one of them actually uh, was unaffiliated on CCLI, which means that they didn't even know who to pay for this song, like the third person. Um, And the other two songwriters had lost touch with the person. Like they didn't even know where the person was on the planet. (laughs) On the planet. Yeah, like they had no way of contacting this person. Like they literally just like vanished. (laughs) And I mean, we're talking like every single person knows this song. And that's why I can't say what song. So if you know the song, drop it in the comments. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) And so that's why, like, I mean, having an administrator is really important uh, because that administrator will make sure if somebody, let's say, like sings your song at their church or covers it on YouTube, you know, you get paid for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they handle also licensing. So if you're, let's say you write a song uh, with, another songwriter, whether they're indie or or they have a publisher, uh, you technically have to license their portion of that song from them. So an administrator would know, know how to do that because mm-hmm. that needs to be like an agreement, not like a text message. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, can I, do you mind if I record this song <laughs> we did? Uh, you want to make sure, you know, everything is done correctly uh, because like I said before, uh, when the song is making zero dollars, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. But in case of this song I was mentioning, it's, I mean, I would not be surprised if it generated just in publishing royalties for this songwriter, like $2 million. And that person just missed out. Yeah. I mean, hopefully they can collect it at some point. <laughs> and they pro- they may have already. I haven't checked in a while, but um when the money comes in, that's when people really care. So you want to make sure you have an agreement and everybody's signing that agreement. Uh, so, and then also the other licensing is uh, when somebody else wants to cover your song, they have mm-hmm. to license it from you. So yeah, they handle all of that. So here are some administrators that you can look into. Uh, probably the most popular one uh, that a lot of people know is called Song Trust. Uh, I think it's just songtrust.com. And then uh, another one is called CD Baby Pro Publishing Administration. I I think that's like the (laughs) official name. Yeah. But it's by CD Baby. It's like an upgraded service or something like that that they have. Um, I personally have not used any of these services, so I'm not going to be able to give you my take on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, TuneCore Publishing is another one. Uh, so CD Baby and TuneCore are both distributors. 
they can, you know, if you're independent, you can distribute your music to Spotify, you know, Apple Music and all of that through one of them or DistroKit. I don't think DistroKit has a publishing admin service yet. Uh, another one is called Music Services. Um, so SongTrust, CD Baby, TuneCore, anybody can go on and sign up right now. Like Amanda, you can go and sign up for it right now. Great. So. <laughs> After this, you know what I'll be doing. Yes. <laughs> um, but Music Services is a lot more selective on who they work with. Mm -hmm. They're going to want to see maybe your catalog or they may want to know like how much your catalog is generating right now and things mm -hmm. like that. Uh, so that's more of an application process where you have to talk to somebody and get approved. Another one is called Centric Music, S-E-N-T-R-I-C Music. Um, they are, I think, the only one that is headquartered in the UK. Uh, I'm not super familiar with them, so I don't know what their process is like, <clears throat> if Amanda can go and register today or not. <laughs> um, so you can check out all of those. Uh, we'll list these in the show notes as well that you can find on um, our website, christianmusicmarketing.com, under the blog section. And the last one, this is the one I'm endorsing. <laughs> Drum roll, please. <laughs> uh, it's called Lula Street Records. Uh, that's L-U-L-A, Street Records. And this is actually an independent label that we started uh, about a year and a half ago. And we do offer publishing administration, but just like music services, we're not this huge corporation. So uh, we do uh, have to review your music mm -hmm. and see if it's a good fit for us or not. So if you're interested in that, you can head over to lulastreetrecords.com and um, reach out to our team there. Yes. So cool. Um, yeah, that's been like one of my favorite parts of working here has been learning about all of the music stuff. Mm. I didn't know I was interested until I started <laughs> learning about it. And I yeah. was like, wow, this is fascinating. Also, I just keep thinking about that song that you were mentioning and how this guy could have made so much or, <clears throat> or girl, I guess, but could have made <laughs> so much money. Also, I just can't imagine turning on the radio and being like, oh, I, I made that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> anyway, funny. Okay, so next week, we will be talking about marketing. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> One of our favorite subjects. Um, and then what to do once your music is recorded. Um, so yeah, episode four of this six part, I think. Is that what we decided? Could Did we more? decide it? <laughs> Maybe I just made that up. <laughs> you're... you're Prophesying, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> You're speaking it. <laughs> also, just... maybe it was because we were just talking about six songs. So I don't know. Maybe oh, I, just, okay. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, everything's six now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, even the uh, administrators, we mentioned there were six of them. So. Wow. Wow. Hmm. That's pretty profound. Yeah. <laughs> Very weird. <laughs> okay. So on that note, <laughs> join us oh. next week talking about marketing and what to do once your music is recorded. And yeah, if you have questions, uh, just like the ones that we uh, talked about today, you can head over to, if you are a Spotify user, you can uh, submit it through Spotify. Our podcast is on that platform, or you can uh, DM us like a lot of uh, you guys did already. Uh, yeah, you can DM Christian Music Industry, and or you can DM me, Wisdom Moon, on Instagram. Uh, so we hope to get more questions and be able to answer your specific questions for you. And um, yeah, if we can't answer it, 
we'll find an expert. We will probably ignore it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll just Google it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Christian Music Industry Podcast, powered by Christian Music Marketing. To find out how we can partner with you to increase your impact and influence with integrity, please visit our website, christianmusicmarketing.com, or check us out on Instagram at Christian Music Marketing. See you next time.